Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Father, may it be that we would recognize your holiness and our neediness. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, may it be that we would sincerely desire your way rather than our way, that we would follow after your way rather than our way. Give us today our daily bread. Father, we acknowledge that we are needy and you are our provider. We want to lean on you and your provision. Forgive us our sins, as we have also forgiven those who have sinned against us. Father, we praise you for your grace and forgiveness. And may it be that we, when we experience your forgiveness and healing, that we can turn and extend that forgiveness to others. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Jesus, protect us from temptation. Holy Spirit, remind us, empower us to follow, follow after you. For yours, God, is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, it's good to be with you all this morning, lifting praises to the Lord and looking to his word together. I want to remind you, kids, that this is the point where you are welcome to go to the back and to join the kids' ministry for your classes. You're also welcome to stay, but you are free to do either, to stay or to go back and join in the kids' classes and have a great time back there. So you know that we have been walking through in our sermon series these one another passages. We've been talking about loving one another and specifically how that plays out as we welcome and accept one another, as we um, honor one another, care for one another. And, and this morning we'll look at what it means, this challenge for us to be praying for one another. In all these, these uh, ways that we can be loving one another, this, I think, is a, a beautiful description of biblical community. One of the most beautiful, attractive things that the church has to offer itself and, and the world around is this biblical community. I think a good way to describe that is, is biblical community is when we see, ex see, know, accept, care for, and enjoy one another with the glory of God in view. When we are doing these things, we are given um, uh, amazing care for one another and witness to the world that is watching. So my prayer is that as we are walking through these one another passages this summer, that we are leaning in and we are pursuing and trying out each of these ideas, loving one another in very specific ways each week. So, as I today, said uh, today, this morning, we look at this passage that talks about praying for one another. And so, I want to just tell you first what comes to my mind when I think of praying for one another. I think of my grandmother who passed away a few years ago, and she, I, I didn't know her well, but, but what I knew of her was she prayed for me regularly. She had pictures of each of her kids and grandkids posted in a certain place in her house, and, and she prayed through our names each day. 
I know my parents pray for me. I know my wife prays for me. I am so touched when I have interactions with some of you and you mention that you have prayed for me. That means a great deal to me. I, I think also, when I think of this challenge to pray for one another, I, I think of um, the times that I'm praying for others. And, and sadly, the, the, the sadder part of this example comes to mind first when I'm praying for someone and my mind wanders. I, this probably happens to you too. And, and all of a sudden, I'm, I'm thinking about a project that has to do with a hammer and nails. And how does that have anything to do with what I was praying for? Or, or as I pray for others, I'll fall asleep. Or, or as I pray for others, um, I'll begin to wonder, is this, is this doing anything, God? But, but in the better moments, as I pray for others, I, I receive from the Lord the affection of Christ for that person for which I'm praying. And that's, that's a beautiful thing that happens. So we're challenged to pray for one another. And these simple four words come in James 5.16. So I invite you to turn to James 5.16, and you'll find these these words, pray for one another. And it's really in the middle of this um, packed paragraph. And and the paragraph actually brings up a lot of questions. And and I want to deal with some of those questions in verses 13 through 18 that will help um, us, hopefully, understand the specific challenge that is in the middle that says, pray for one another. So the the verses that I'll read are um, verses 13 through 18 in James chapter 5. We read this, is any one of you in trouble, they should pray. Is anyone happy, let them sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick, they should call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. So James writes these words to a number of believers, and he's writing to them in in the midst of they have experienced suffering from persecution. They have experienced this trouble. They are tired, and and they're beginning to fight with one another. So they're they're experiencing persecution. They're fighting with one another. They're they're double-minded in the sense that they do want to follow the way of Jesus, and they want to be comfortable and fit in to the culture that they live in. And in the midst of this, James writes to them, and he calls them to pray. So the first question that I want to just consider with you is, what is prayer? Prayer is conversation with God. He speaks, and we listen. Then then we listen, and I'm sorry, then we speak, and he listens. It's a conversation with God. And and we have this this conversation. We can hear from the voice of the Lord through through his word, through his Holy Spirit, and through his people. 
So you may say, well, well I, don't, I don't actually hear from the Lord. To which I would, I would gently, hopefully say, if, if you're not hearing the voice of the Lord, then, then I don't think you're listening, or I don't think you know his voice. And here's what I mean by, by that, before you get irritated with that statement. Um, if you're not, you know, remember, the word of the Lord the voice of the Lord is here. We have it in Scripture. We have an amazing blessing that every one of us have access to this book, whether it's the physical book or whether it's having it electronically on our device. We have incredible access to the Word, the voice of God. We can access it at almost any time on any day. So if I say I'm not hearing the voice of the Lord, it's because I'm not spending time here. It's because I'm not listening. So if I hear the voice of the Lord through his word, through his spirit, and through his people, I, I, I think of um, uh, spending time in the Lord's word and, and reading in 1 Peter uh, 5.17, where he says, uh, cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So so the Lord uses that to remind me of what I'm, I'm to be doing in a stressful situation. And, and when I'm away from my Bible and I'm walking throughout the day, the Holy Spirit reminds me of the Lord's voice, what the Lord spoke to me that morning. This Holy Spirit reminds me to be casting my anxiety on him because he cares for me. As I'm interacting with my brothers and sisters in Christ, they can be reminding me of the Lord's voice as we interact with one another. So I hear the Lord's voice through his word, through his spirit, and through his people. Prayer is conversation with God. So then the second question I ask is, uh, when should I pray? And James makes this very clear in verses 13 through 14 when he says, is, is anyone of you in trouble? Um, they should pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Prayer is, praise is like singing your prayer. Is anyone of you sick? They should call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. So in all circumstances, no matter what is going on, we should pray. That's what James is pressing us to. He's agreeing with Paul's instruction in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, where Paul says, pray continually, be in conversation with the Lord always. So that's when we should pray. The next question is, um, how should we pray? And we know from the Lord's Prayer given to us, uh, recorded in Matthew 6, 9, uh, someone asked Jesus how they are to pray, and Jesus uh, tells them with the Lord's Prayer. And, and it's not the specific words that are, are, are magic in and of themselves, but he gives this prayer as an example. This is the way you should pray. This is how a prayer, a conversation with God can be structured. I found it very helpful. Uh, David Platt, a, a pastor and author, um, uses an acrostic as he talks about the structure of prayer. It, very, it really simplifies the, the structure that is the Lord's Prayer, and it's, it's easily memorable. Um, so the acrostic is praise, repent, ask, and yield. 
So when I pray, first I, I praise the Lord for who he is and what he's done, and I spend time thanking him and, and entering into this acknowledgement of, of who he is. Then I spend time in repentance. The, the first step into it, repentance is confession, where I admit to the Lord things that I've done, ways that I've failed him, and that's my first step into turning around into repentance. So I spend time in, in praise and repentance and then asking for things on my behalf and on behalf of others. And, and the mere um, activity of asking the Lord for something is acknowledging that I am weak and he is strong. I am needy and he's provider. So as I ask for things on my behalf or the behalf of others, I am acknowledging his power to, to sovereignly intervene and to work in a given circumstance. And then as I yield, I'm, I'm again acknowledging my weakness and his power. It, it's, it's his way that I need to walk and not my way. So praise, repent, ask, and yield. That's a way to think through how we should pray. So the next question is this, and this is the one that I want to spend the most time on. What power is in prayer? So, again, if we look at verse 14, uh, we read this. Is any one of you sick? You should call the elders of the church to pray over you and anoint you with oil. So, when I'm asking about um, what power is in prayer, I could ask the question, okay, is, is it in the oil? Is the power in the oil? And the answer is no. The, the oil is a... Um, it's a symbol for cleansing and healing, but it's just a symbol. The power is not in the oil. So then I, I look at verse 14. Well, it said, call the elders and, and have them pray. So is the power in the elders? And, and again, I'd say no. There, there are many times throughout the New Testament where we see recorded healings happening, and, and they're not times where elders are being gathered to pray over someone. Yet, I, I do want to mention, as we look at this verse, from, from the point that James writes this on, this is an important instruction for the church that, that as something serious is going on in our life, that, that it is right for us to call the elders of the church to come and pray over us um, and anoint us with oil. Um, that is a right thing. That is a humbling thing to do and an obedient thing to do. It's recognizing God's organization of the church family. So it is right for us to call the elders to pray. Is, is the power in the prayer of the elders? No. So, so what is the power in prayer? Let's look at verse 15. Verse 15 says, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. So then we say, all right, so is the power in faith? To which I would say, no, not exactly. Incidentally, the, the word here in verse 15, when it says, um, and the prayer offered in faith will make faith will make the sick person well, the, the Greek word that is translated well can literally be translated saved. 
So, so this prayer will make the sick person saved. It's interesting in this passage, when you look at it, this is very much talking about physical healing, and it's very much talking about spiritual healing. Yet, this verse still begs the question, is, is it the faith-filled prayer that heals or saves the person, or is it the Lord who heals, saves them? This passage alone doesn't answer the question, but we can look through the rest of the New Testament to get some insight into this answer. I was reading in Acts 12 earlier this week in my personal devotions. I'm walking through the, uh, the book of Acts, and, and as I read Acts 12, I came across the story of uh, Jesus uh, miraculously rescuing Peter from prison. It's an amazing story to just move into with your imagination as Peter sits there in prison. He's going to be killed the next day and, and an angel comes and, and the chains fall off and Peter walks right out of prison, doesn't even, doesn't even realize what's going on fully, walks right out of prison and then goes to a house where people have been praying for him. It's this incredible story of God's miraculous power and people praying for Peter and and, and what I often glaze over but, but stuck on this time was the opening verses of that chapter say something like this, the, that Herod was persecuting the church and that Herod had had James, the apostle, killed. He was run through with a sword and now Herod was coming after Peter. So I thought about that and, and, and struggled with that. James was killed and Peter was saved. So, so is it about the amount of faith they had, or the, the number of people were, were praying? Um, was it about that, or was it about the, the Lord chose to work in one way with James and work in another way with Peter? I don't think it's about the, the amount of faith in the prayer. James points out here, I, I think his point is not to elevate the quantity of our faith in our prayer, but the object of our faith in our prayer. Because if it's about the quantity of our faith, then, then the question is, do I have enough faith to magically make this formula work? My faith plus your faith equals healing. If it's about the object of faith, then the question is this, in whom or what have I placed my faith? So this reminds me of a song that, that, that goes like this. Um, my hope is built on nothing less than money, comfort, fame, and rest. <laughs> right? That, so, I mean, that's not how we sing it, right? We sing, my hope is built on, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. But, but we often live like our hope is built on money, comfort, fame, and rest. So when I'm feeling depressed or anxious about something and, and asking for help, am I pinning my hope on power, money, fame, or rest to heal me, or am I pinning my hope on the power and grace of Jesus to heal me? Now, I might try to combine the two and say, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping my hope is in Jesus to use money, comfort, fame, or rest to, but, but the question is, what is the object of your faith? 
Jesus has the power to physically and spiritually heal anyone. If the power of prayer is, the, is about the object of my faith and my faith is in Jesus, then the question is, how is he going to use his power to act in this particular situation? Because I know that my loving and powerful God will listen to the prayers of his children and will act with power and strength and wisdom in every situation. I know that he will act. The power in prayer is in the object of my faith. It's not in the quantity of my faith. The next verse, 16 we read this. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. So, so why the call towards both confess your sins to one another and pray for one another? I think it's wrapped up in the importance of humility and unity. When I confess my sin to one that I've wronged, the act of humility puts us both in a better place to receive the Lord's healing. When I confess my sin with another, then, then that helps me um, in my recognition of my need or my failure, and it creates a unity between the two of us who are both sharing a, uh, the reality of need and failure. Praying for each other then takes us two steps further in this. It further unites me with the person as I hold them before the Lord in prayer. As I shared earlier, as I pray for others, the Lord puts his affection for them on my heart. The Lord has made it clear throughout history that he acts upon our prayers for others and does amazing things. While we don't always see them, um, or, or it's not always God moving in the way that we thought he would or wished he would, we shouldn't forget that we are speaking with a loving and powerful God who has the power to raise the dead. Pray for each other. This is part of loving one another. This is part of the incredible blessing that we have to be in conversation with the living God. That's no small thing. I want to close by mentioning just a few things, a few healthy habits for spiritual growth in this particular area of praying for one another. So I'd love for you to consider implementing one of these or, or one like it to further your practice of praying for one another. The first is this, to set a specific time each day when you can have some focused conversation with the Lord, when you can spend some time in conversation with him to, to praise, repent, ask, and yield. Secondly, I would encourage you to, to journal your prayers. Write down names of people that you can be praying for. Um, in the Amplify Guide this week, if you look at that, there's some passages of Scripture that I've listed that are great passages to go through and pray through that passage, inserting a person's name that you're praying for. So pray Scripture for others. 
Also, another thing that you can be doing um, is signing up for our prayer list and praying through each week the prayer requests that come out on Tuesday. You can do that by going to the, um, the Watch Live page and then just click sign up for prayer list. I encourage you to think about praying through those things for our church family each week. You know, another thing we can be doing is, is praying along the way. As we walk throughout the day and interact with people, um, pray, say a prayer for them as you leave. Pray that, you know, Lord, this, this person I've just interacted with, may it be that they would feel your love and grace today. Pray for people along the way as you see them. And the last thing I'll suggest, and it, um, and it may be in some conversations that it, it's appropriate for you to end the conversation and, and say, you know what, before we leave, can I take a moment to pray for you? And right then, do it. Pray for that person right there. Keep taking steps forward in, in praying for one another.